guys. Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm here with Jamie Waxman, a licensed marriage and family therapist, sex therapist, and sex educator with over 20 years experience talking about intimacy, romance, and sexual pleasure. Jamie is also the author of four books, including Hot Sex, Over 200 Things to Try Tonight, Getting Off, A Woman's Guide to Masturbation, and How to Break Up with Anyone, Letting Go of Friends, Family, and Everything in Between. She's a former radio and TV producer and once held jobs as a Playgirl columnist, a Playboy sex stream makeover expert, podcast host, Babeland employee, and adult filmmaker. With a career spanning the gamut in human sexuality, one thing has never changed. Jamie loves communicating with people about intimacy, sex, and relationships. Once you become a parent, so much of your life changes. Your daily schedule, the amount of sleep you get, the amount of time and energy you have, and the list continues. After long days and nights with a baby or working all day and dealing with a fussy toddler, let's not even forget parenting during a pandemic, sometimes you are too drained to think about getting intimate with your partner. But sex and intimacy are essential in romantic relationships. So if things have slowed down and you're wanting to heat things back up with your partner, this podcast is for you. Let's welcome Jamie Waxman, licensed marriage and family therapist and sex therapist. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast, Chick Chat. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, as parents and adults, we have so much on our to-do list that it can sometimes feel like sex is just another thing to add on the calendar. And those tiny humans of ours, they make us feel exhausted at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, the last thing we want to do sometimes is, you know, get freaky in the sheets with our partners. So however, we do know that all of us adults need sex and intimacy in our romantic relationships. So we're thrilled to have you here to help us keep that fire alive after we've had a baby. So thank you again. Yeah, of course. It's interesting that you also mentioned it's hard to keep it on the calendar. And I know we'll probably get into this, But I actually think that it's really important to put it on the calendar, as boring as that may sound after having an exciting sex life before baby, possibly. It's really important to do that after kids. See, we're going to learn so much, you guys. Let's get started. But first, Jamie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Sure. So my name is Jamie Waxman. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist with a specialty in sex therapy. And I also happen to have a second degree in sex education. So I found myself really passionate. And I was always curious about relationships, intimacy, and connection, so much so that I actually started out in radio thinking that doing talk radio is a way to, you know, bring a level of intimacy that doesn't involve, that allows us to create in our own imagination what's going on in the story. But I was really passionate about getting to know people in human connection. And I started out as a radio producer. And in my time doing radio, I worked at a station called iyata.com, which is a talk radio station on the internet in the 90s. So we're talking like dial-up connections to listen to our show. (laughs) Unless you worked in an office, then you had a T one line. And while I was there, I got put on a show about sexuality and relationships. And it was just so riveting to recognize that everybody has some sort of relationship to sexuality and intimacy, but not everybody knows how to talk about it. 
And so I transitioned. I did stay one more year and did a television show as a producer about sexuality. And then I transitioned out of the producing role, got my master's in sex education and became a media I want to, I'll say sexpert, even though we are all the the experts of our own sexuality and our own bodies. And I became an author and a writer and a dildo slinger. I used to work at a sex toy shop called Toys and Babeland, now Babeland. And I sort of dove into the world of sexuality. I did some producing and directing of adult movies, either for women or instructional movies. And ultimately, in my mid-30s, I thought, like, it's great to be a sex educator, but what I find most enjoyable about my job is talking to people about their own sexual intimacy stories, concerns, passions. And so I went back to school once again to get my degree uh, to become a marriage and family therapist in the state of California. Oh my gosh. So you're not busy at all. You know, you just have no experience and yeah. <laughs> right. And I should add to my resume. I had my daughter um, when, while I was in school as uh, to become a marriage and family therapist. So I also got a whole new experience as a mother <laughs> a little later in life than a lot of other people, but still young enough to be, to say I had my baby in my thirties. I love it. I love it. Well, oh my goodness. So we hit the jackpot, you guys. I am so excited to have you answer our questions and especially not only coming from it as an expert, but also as a mother yourself, like, you know, you've been there, you're, you're, you know, I am so, there. So, <laughs> exa- exactly. So, so you feel this. So I'm thrilled to, to have you on. So for those of you who are listening, you've maybe had some, a child or two, and you might be looking for ways to heat things up in your relationship. So Jamie, where can a couple start to turn up that heat? Is it communication, scheduling dates? Like, what do you recommend? Yeah. So when I worked at Babeland, we had this great slogan, which was communication, lubrication, and relaxation are the three keys to great sex. And I've always loved that as a broad idea of where to go. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Nina, with the fact that in order to start to turn up the heat, we have to be able to talk about the fact that we're cold. And in order to do that, we have to find the time to do it. And we have to take responsibility for our role in this. So a lot of times I notice the other, like in relationships, it's very easy to push the blame onto our partners about how they do the dishes, what they're not doing correctly, whatever it is. But it really is important for us to own what we notice. And one of the ways to communicate that I think can be really helpful, you've probably heard this piece before, but you start with I sentences. You own it. So And you want to notice what's going on for yourself. So when it comes to turning up the heat, one of the first things you can say to your partner is, hey, I notice it's been X amount of days, or I notice it's been a while since we were really intimately connected, and I'm feeling sad about that, or... I'm, you know, I, I'm feeling like I really, even though this is not a feeling necessarily, but I'm feeling like I really miss that. And I'm curious if we can talk about how to change that. So it's really about owning the eye senses, noticing what's going on with you, being able to touch on the feelings, and then to get curious with your partner as a team about what you're going to do about it. Okay. That's super helpful because normally... 
I don't want to say I, because then it sounds like I'm being self-centered. Like I need this or I feel this way. And, and I should be like, oh, I need to be thinking about you. So, but that's helpful to, you know, putting it that way. Well, also though, Nina, you do tap on something. The I need does come in there because you have needs and they are valid and need to be recognized, but they don't, if they come first, what often happens is the other person will go into defense. Like what I'm not doing something. If you have this need, that means I'm not filling it. And so if you go from an, I notice, or I feel place, I, or I, I'm really missing you and I need to find a way to connect. That's about, that still goes back to the first part of the, of the, communication, which is, here's where I'm coming from. This is the goal. And so how do we get there? If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. I love that. So, and I love how you also said in your example, it's been a few days since (laughs) we've been intimate because let's be honest, listeners, there are weeks, maybe even a month or two when it's dry. What I realized (laughs) as I was saying it, that made me go to, it's been a while, that if you know exactly how long it's been, (laughs) your partner may have a feeling about you keeping track. That might bring up something else. So right. If you know it's right. been three weeks and two days, and you say <laughs> it that way, there is a lot of other things that might come out of that. Like, how come you've been counting? And if you've been counting, why haven't you shared with me? Or what does it say that I don't remember? It's been three weeks and two days. So I think in a few days, yes, that's on the low end of things. (laughs) And I think it's important to speak in terms of that time limit, like in in terms of how long it's been in as much generality as possible and neutrality. Yeah. I love that. Okay. That's helpful. And especially, you know, for, for people who are newly postpartum, you have to, you know, allow your body to heal and recover after whether you had a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. You, it, that you need that time and you need that break. And then once you're kind of given the okay from your uh, medical provider, but also when you feel like mentally and emotionally ready right. for that and letting your partner know, I feel like, so I work with pregnant women and new moms. So what about the women who are insecure in their new postpartum bodies? Because I've noticed that, that they're, it's, it's just a foreign body. They're not feeling as confident or as sexy or as attractive as they once felt. And that can last for years. What should these women know or do if they're feeling this way? Yeah. So I think that's an excellent question. And I just want to acknowledge what you just said too about, you know, right after birth and feeling sexy and even wanting to be touched because for those first months of after childbirth, your infant is constantly on you and needs that skin hunger. And sometimes a new mom just doesn't want anybody else to touch them. And if you have other kids at the house who are also pulling on you, the last person you want to touch you is your partner because they're the adult and they get they get the no. And so I think it's, it's really important to acknowledge the struggle over there as well and that the anxiety that the the okay you get from your doctor can produce just in the sense that before you had this reason, like, an ex- I mean, I'm going to put this in quotes, excuse, because it's not really an excuse. It's the truth that you are not able to have intercourse for, you know, the first six weeks or until the doctor says, go ahead. And once you get that approval, your partner may, may be really missing that skin hunger and that touch and the attention you're giving to the infant and you might still not be ready. So I just want to say that can be really anxiety producing. And the most important 
one of the most important things you can do there is be as vulnerable and transparent as possible with what's going on with you and how you are feeling in terms of the overwhelm or the adjustment to the amount of attention and touch you are giving to your infant and also seeing if there's a way to incorporate your partner into that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. But when somebody, is, when a woman is feeling insecure in their new postpartum body, a couple, thing couple things come up for me. Are you familiar with the five, I call them the six love languages, but are you familiar with the five love languages? Yes, yes. Okay, great. So l- words of affirmation is one of the love languages. I call it the six love languages because um, a mentor of mine had said this, and I fully agree that the sixth love language is space. Sometimes we actually need that and we don't know how to ask for it. But when we, when we look at the other five love languages, we have words of affirmation. And I think when we are insecure in our new bodies, we also may not be getting, now this is, we don't need outside affirmation, of course, but I would also want to know what kind of affirmation we are getting from our partners. And it might not just be our romantic partners, whoever is helping us with the baby. You're such a good mom. You're, you know, you'll get back to your body or, you know, you look great, whatever. Noticing what words are coming our way is really important because some of what might be going on is beforehand, we might've gotten a lot of acknowledgements for looking a certain way or for our own feeling a certain way. And that may have changed our focus now on being a mother, the words that are used around us may have changed. And so some of it may be that we do need to like really revisit what words of affirmation work for us. But the other piece I think that's really important is to recognize that everything is temporary. This new postpartum body is temporary. It will change. I don't know which way it will change, but it's really, I think, about just accepting where we are now well, it's not really just about that. It's Some of it is about accepting where we are now. And some of it is looking at and talking about what we hope, like where we want to go. So maybe it's a hope to exercise more or it's a hope to fit into a favorite pair of jeans. But I think it's okay to accept and to hope. And also uh, an idea for any new mom is just like we do those baby photos to actually get to do like some sort of boudoir photo shoot for yourself. And even right now in a time of COVID, as we're recording this, it's a little more challenging to have somebody necessarily come over or go to a photo place and do this. But at some point to get yourself made up, to get yourself dressed up and to have somebody take beautiful pictures of you so that you can see yourself from outside of where you are right now. I think that can be really helpful. I love that. That's definitely a great tip on what they should know and do. And and I just have to say that like you're so right. Post the postpart the immediate postpartum body it will change. You know, your your uterus needs to involute, like things will will happen, but your body more than likely will not look no. the way it once did. Yes. Your your breasts will fill and maybe sag a little bit. Your belly might be a little softer. You might have more stretch marks. But I think it's it's coming to also, you know, like you said, accept kind of where you're at, but also recognize the beauty and what it has done for you and your family. And and I think that our partners you know th- they're not paying attention to those kind of things like we are. Right. Right. 
Right. I, I, like, oh, please right. reassure me, right? Yeah. And, I mean, and two things come up even as you say that. One, first of all, if you are, you know, active on social media, I think finding influencers, there are lots of women out there who are showing off their postpartum bodies and owning it. And finding the right type of influence can be really important, especially since we are so influenced. And like what you just said about our partners not recognizing what we are going through. And I think even it brings up something that I just wanted to to share, which is that sometimes after birth, right, our partners treat us differently and don't even see us in the same sexual way. So I think it's really important for us to, I mean, I've always said this, when when I have clients who've had a baby and are having a hard time getting back into their sex life, I always ask where the partner was during the childbirth, like what they saw Because a lot of times when a partner is resistant to whatever sexual pieces to bring back into, into play after the birth, it may be part of where they stood while they watched the childbirth. Like if you're standing in, and what a great gift to be able to watch your child come out of your partner. And at times it can really mess with our minds so it, I think it's really important to talk to our partners as well about what's been going on for them since the childbirth so that you can then also be more transparent in what's going on with you. Right, right. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is something that I tell parents before the baby's born. I say how, you know, if you need to, I tell the partner, I'm like, you know yourself more than than anyone. Can you handle seeing something like this and it not affecting your relationship or you feeling queasy or you, you know, just will it affect you you in a negative, a negative way? Because if you already know that, then you need to, we need to make sure that you are in a position where you can still support her fully. You're still present, but it's, you know, what you're seeing isn't going to affect your relationship down the road. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that is something that needs to be talked about because sometimes it's like a, I, I don't really mean it like this. It sounds awful, but it's like a car accident. Like you can't help but look if you're there. Yeah. But if you've already had that conversation and are aware of like, no, I know that something like that, I don't know if I can I can come out of it afterwards. Yeah. And and have that be my <laughs> my playground, you know? Right. <laughs> so so having that conversation and being aware of that and how you feel in yourself, uh, your comfortability is definitely important. So I'm glad that you you uh, mentioned that. But Jamie, my my next question for you, what about partners that just do not want to? Like maybe they've lost their libido, like hormones are off. What should they do? So when you say the partners that don't want to, you're not talking about the person I'm who I'm talking is- about both, both okay. mom and, and partner. Yeah. So that's also really common, right? To lose your libido. And I mean, I also think, cause a lot of doctors want to put you on birth control, which also, you know, as soon as you can, if you're not planning on having another child in X amount of time. So I think that also can impact your libido as well. But for partners that just don't want to, that have lost their libido, I think it's important to think about what would connection look like. So if you don't want to go back into intercourse, what would feel good to do together? Because if all you do is talk about the baby, if all you do is talk about maintenance issues like the house, then you guys are going to become great roommates 
And you're going to feel really (laughs) disconnected as lovers and partners and spouses. So I think if you're not in the mood for a certain type of intimacy, then look for another type of intimacy. Some ideas that come up that you could do, right? Like there are all of these card decks that you can buy, but there's also this, I love this, and it's actually not about sex for the most part, but this this 36 questions that lead to deeper intimacy, it was a New York Times article a couple of years ago, maybe even a few more than that now. And it is a series of three of 36 questions, 12 sets of three sets of 12 questions. And you're supposed to, it's designed to do in one day. I say it's it's too much to do in one day, but even if you do it over three days, these questions are designed to end with a deeper intimacy with the person you're doing them with. There's also this great card deck um, that you can get online called Love Language. And it's questions that prompt you to feel more connected. And so you can start there. Even if you can't think of what to do, find some way to get prompted to start. And then from there, you can see like there's also a book I recommend to many of my clients. Most of them like it. Some have not. It's called 101 Nights of Great Sex. The name is a little misleading because it's not all about intercourse. It's like if people think of sex that way. And so it kind of gets hard sometimes, but there are, and it is very gendered. So I just want to say that, Um, but there are uh, 50 50 envelopes for her and 51 for him or vice versa because it's 101 nights. And each envelope is designed to be opened by the person who it's written for. And the uh, whatever is in that envelope is designed to be fulfilled by that person for their partner. So that's another way to sort of get back in the mood that involves massages and trying like using different things for sex. So some of the envelopes might not be where the people are, but these are all great prompts for finding connection. And I think more important than getting your libido back, even though it is important for everyone at some point, or for most people, I should say, is to make sure you are feeling intimately connected and talking about deeper things that make you feel close to your partner. I love that. It's so true. I love that. And with that, I I, I want to ask for the partner's mother or or partner that have maybe lost their libido is there obviously they can also talk to if it's if those things aren't sparking anything talk to your healthcare provider maybe you need to you know seek some medical evaluation but are there any herbs or like snacks or anything else that that you recommend <laughs> that don't require uh, medical advice that's a great question i mean there are things out on the market that are designed to increase your libido i'm really not sure how they work for everyone so i wouldn't want to recommend an, an extra product necessarily although i will say as you say this two things one you can also talk to a therapist right like and I would, I would say there's, a, what, there's an association called ASECT. It's the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. I am not on there, but there are a lot of other people who have gone through a specific ASECT certified program to become sex therapists. And so they have them in every state. So if you want somebody you know is comfortable about talking with sex, that's one place to look. There's also a list called Open for people who are in more alternative relationship styles or have more like alternative sexual ideas. There are therapists that are also the ASEC therapists should be like this, but the Open therapists are all on this listserv as well to be available for you know less traditional 
sexual ideas as well. So I want to say like, besides a medical professional talking to a sex therapist, your gynecologist will hopefully evaluate that everything is going well. And then if it still feels like a psychological issue, there is that. And there is also uh, a lot of women don't know about pelvic pain specialists. These are physical therapists who work particularly postpartum or with women who are experiencing vaginal tightening, vaginismus, which is where you can't let anything in your vagina, any pelvic pain. These are therapists who will go inside, find where there's scar tissue. And after birth, a lot of women do have scar tissue that can be massaged out for more enjoyable sexual experiences. So finding a pelvic floor specialist, uh, a physical therapist who specializes in pelvic pain can be really important. And also sometimes it's about lubrication. And there are lubes out there that are really helpful in allowing for less painful sex. These lubes involve CBD and they are designed to help to help make sex more pleasurable. So if pain is part of it, there's one called Go Love that I recommend, which has really a good pure CBD in it. Um, that could also be helpful. Uh, so it, there are things, but I do think when our libido, like we're when we're drained and we're like up every two to three hours with one to two to three kids, whatever it is, the last thing we want is to like think about sex. And so it's really important to make that time. So another thing would be to really, even if it's setting aside five or 10 minutes as often as possible to just check in with each other about how we're doing, even if it's not about sex. And another tip I would have, uh, and I know I'm sort of jumping all over the place right now, but is to start sharing appreciations with our partner so that we start to feel more connected. And this is just something you can do every day where you ask your partner if now is a good time to share an appreciation, usually before bed or early in the morning when you know you might have a minute. And then you just tell them something you appreciate about them. And all they have to say in response is, you're welcome. And that's also really hard for people to say. They want to say thank you, which is fine, but your welcome is a little bit more powerful for the person receiving the appreciation. And to shift those into share appreciations is another way to start to feel connected and hopefully to get our libido back. Like, you know, I appreciate that you got dressed today and didn't stay in your pajamas. It could be as simple as that, right? But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, these, this is great. This is gold. I love this. And actually, what you just said, it leads me to my next question. So are there things that we should do throughout the day or throughout the week to show our interest in our partners? So you just said, you know, expressing appreciation. I love that. Is there anything else that we can do, like leaving sweet notes or writing text messages if you're not, you know, working from home due to this whole pandemic, or long kisses hello or goodbye? Or like, what are things that we should be doing to help ignite that fire? All of those things are great <laughs> ideas. Post-its are wonderful where you're you know, leaving a post-it note in the mirror in the morning in the bathroom for your partner to see. My husband last night, out of the blue, I went to bed before he did, and I woke up this morning to a text message from him sharing how you know grateful he was to be sharing his life with me. And that was really nice. Like, so right before one of you go to bed, leaving a text message for the other person to see in the morning could be a wonderful, Aww, sweet note. Love that. 
Yeah. Sending an email if you know your partner is going to be online all day just saying, I love you, or words of affirmation are amazing. When you look at the love languages, right? Like throughout the day, what can we do? Can we spend five minutes together? Uh, you can do a, a kiss hello or goodbye. And if a kiss feels like too much, a hug is a great idea. Just hugging your partner in the morning and in the in the evening. But I think it needs to be longer than just like a quick hug because I feel like those well, not now. <laughs> now you don't get to like I miss hugs. I really, yeah. I really can't wait till we can all hug each other again. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, a quick kiss on the cheek. I do that with my mother. I, you know, I do, I hug a bunch of people. So setting the intention of like, no, I'm going to make this a longer, more intimate kiss or hug. Right. Absolutely. Thank you for pointing that out. Cause you're right. If you just do the small pecs, it feels like it could be anyone. Anyone. Yeah. And I think the question is what is long? And honestly, sometimes 10 to 20 seconds can feel really, really long. long. (laughs) Um, So I would even say starting with 10 seconds, you will be surprised how long that feels. 20 seconds. I feel like somebody just shared this with me that there is research of, or like some sort of reset at 20 seconds that it takes you that long to really sink into the hug. So a 20 second hug might be ideal. And also throughout the day, if you both are home at work, you know, going in and just making eye contact and saying, hi, hi, you know, like that really can shift things. But I think too, it's really important to I'm sorry I keep going back to this in some way, but it's really important to know what your love languages are so that you can ask for what you need. Because a lot of times we give the love language that we want back in return, but it's not necessarily our partners. So even showing interest in our partner by doing the dishes sometimes so they don't have to and they have an extra 10 minutes or by you know setting aside that five minutes of quality time or some little gift. It's really interesting to me, the idea of push gifts. I don't have any real much to say about it. I didn't know about it until after I gave birth. This idea (laughs) that you get a a gift for giving birth, that's great for people who really want that. But this idea of just giving gifts of appreciation, whether it is words or, you know, a five minute massage or a foot rub or whatever it is that you can find the time to do throughout the day. I think that is really important, even if it's just a few times a week. Right, right. So what are ways to show that you're just as focused on your marriage as you are on the children? Because I think that partners sometimes feel once the baby comes, like they don't they don't get the attention that they once had. Maybe the relationship feels different. So w- what can we do to show that, you know what, no, our relationship is just as important as, you know, my time and attention is to our child. Yeah. Well, I think that you nailed it with time and intention, that you have to spend some time and attention on your partner in order for them to feel like you are as focused on your marriage. So that may be like going to a couple's therapist once a week, right? So that you have an hour that is just for the two of you. It may mean finding the 10 minutes a night to talk about your days or to talk about or to kiss or to just hold each other. It means finding the time that you have for your kids. It's not going to be as much time, but making some time for your partner. It means like sending them those texts throughout the day to let them know you're thinking about them and also asking them, hey, when can we find time for each other? Like actually scheduling that time, which again, feels like I know so many people are so resistant to hearing that, 
but that shows your partner that you have time for them in your life and that you're going to make sure that the kids are in bed, entertained, whatever it is, so that you make that time for each other. It might be, you know, going and doing a class together or finding a common interest or getting out of the house if you are fortunate to have somebody who can help at this time and setting up because you can't necessarily go on a date, but setting up just the time for yourself. And yeah, I think it all goes back to showing your partner that you have the time for them. Yeah. But it can feel like we have no time whatsoever because if you're working and also taking care of a child and if they're doing Zoom class and all this stuff, it can feel too much. But but I want to go back to you said that it's – I don't know if we said this before we were recording – or after, but you said that it's actually a good thing to schedule sex or intimacy into your calendar, even though that feels like the least sexy thing ever. You're like, cool. We're so not spontaneous or fun and that we have to actually put our... Yeah, put our sex lives on a calendar. On a calendar. But so tell me why that's good or how that's helpful and what like benefits can can come of that. that Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, Nina, between Zoom Zoom classes, work, (laughs) making meals, paying attention to our children, like where are we going to find that time to to prioritize our partner? Because they're a big person. They get to take care of themselves, right? So – we neglect in some ways that time. And so if even if it's twice a month that you've put on your calendar, like you know on a Saturday night or a Friday night or Tuesday night that this is your time together, you're gonna you're gonna make you're gonna make it happen. And if you don't make it happen, you're gonna have to talk about why it's not happening. So you're gonna have to focus on that. And so I think the scheduling piece allows us to prioritize our partner at some point in our life, in our month, in our week, and in our day, however often we can schedule it. And it allows us to know this is when we need to be present here because the other piece is that we can schedule things but not be present. And that's really challenging. So it gives us the, it gives us the, the time and place to get ready to be in a time and place with our partner and that's why, like, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of what really feels spontaneous after you have kids, right? You schedule their lives. <laughs> right. Everything is so planned. And so to neglect this as part of that really feels like we live, it sets us up for living in a different fantasy, one where we didn't have kids and we didn't have these schedules. And it doesn't acknowledge in some ways how our life has changed. And it may even just mean, you know, talking about it the night before, like, some nights, if you're really interested and your part, you ask your partner and they say, I'm, you know, no, which also the word no can trigger a lot of people. So I even like, I'm a no right now, just to say like, mm, it could be a yes at another time, but I am definitely a no right now. I'm really tired. What if tomorrow night we get the kids down by 730, right? So you don't necessarily put it in the calendar if you feel like that makes it seem way more uncomfortable or undoable. But you actually have to talk about it regardless because you're talking about scheduling everything else in your life right now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's so true and so helpful. And I I get it. I get that. I may have to start adding that to my to-do list. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because when we say it like that and people are like, well, sex is supposed to be fun and spontaneous. Exactly. 
But yeah. relationships take work. And one of the my sex idols, I'll call her, Leonor Tiefer, wrote a book years ago. It does not pertain to children, but it's called Sex is Not Natural. And I love it because this idea we have that sex is supposed to be natural and spontaneous, reproduction is natural. If you left animals up to their ways, they would know what to do to reproduce. But to have pleasurable, passionate sex, that takes work regardless of how good the chemistry is. And so this is work. I, you know, it doesn't sound sexy to say it that way, but there is an element of work to our relationships. And once we can acknowledge that, we can hopefully embrace it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Jamie, you have given us such great advice and so many good uh, resources. And so are there any other resources that, you know, our listeners should check out if they're wanting more help in their sex life with their partners? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Some things that come uh, to the top of the mo- to top of mind are for women who are having problems getting back into feeling aroused and desire. There's a great book called "Come as You Are" by Emily Nagoski, which talks all about how female sex drive is a misnomer. It's not that we just accelerate and are involved in our sexual desire as we it just keeps going up. We have accelerators, which are turn, turn-ons, and we have brakes, which are turn-offs. And we have to really get in touch with these accelerators and brakes. And they may have to do with our, you know, what we've done that day with how our kids have been, just to notice those things so that we can start to really talk about them and understand them. And then in terms of like couple stuff, you know, David Schnarch was a fantastic psychologist. He wrote a book called The Passionate Marriage, which has some exercises in it and tools in it that I really love. I also love, these are a lot of books, uh, Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks, which is the precursor to Imago Therapy, which talks about how when we're in these relationships, we become our parent, we project our partner as our parent, and how our dynamics when we become parents sometimes become these dynamics. So the sharing of appreciations actually comes from his work. And then, of course, John Gottman would be another another great resource for couples in relationships, especially helping with how couples fight. So I really like that as well, even though that's not about intimacy. And then we have Esther Perel's fantastic TED Talk and her book, uh, Mating in Captivity, How to Unlock the Erotic in the Everyday, I think can be a really helpful thing as well. Like I mentioned, the Laura Korn books and online, there are... Lots of resources. Uh, Scarlet Teen, which is a site for teens primarily, but they have this fantastic resource. It's really for anyone who wants to know more about sex, but it's written for teenagers. They have a yes, no, maybe so list, which is eight pages long, which talks about it's okay to touch me this way without my consent. And I'm into this or I'm not into this. And so it's a great sex list to go through with your partner to start talking about sexual things that you want to do or don't do. So that's another great resource as well. And then of course, you know, like listening to podcasts like this or other sex podcasts could be helpful if reading isn't the way to go or going. And I always, I love to tell my couples, even right now to go online to a locally owned sex toy shop and to shop together for things that they may want to explore if they're open to vibrators or uh, which can really be helpful for a lot of women to achieve orgasm. So I'm a big fan of using those sort of accoutrements when necessary too. 
Oh my goodness, Jamie, this was awesome. (laughs) And I feel like y'all don't worry. We are going to list all of this, everything that you've listed, we're going to include in our description or show notes. So you can just easily click on and do all of that. But that was amazing. Oh my goodness. So (laughs) for all of us, do you have any final thoughts or words of advice for our listeners? My biggest thought would be that sex, intimacy are just part of our human connection and that when we are feeling disconnected from our partners, it's important to look at where our sexual and intimate lives are with them. Because a lot of times we feel disconnected when we aren't getting the touch or the attention that we need. And also to just be kind to yourself and be compassionate with where you are. And that when we go into a place of feeling like, oh, I can't believe it's me, I'm the problem, or I just don't want this, to really recognize and have compassion for why you're feeling that way right now. And that the more we have compassion for ourselves, the more we can find compassion for our partners. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So Jamie, for our listeners, where can they find you? You can find me online. I am not on social media as much as I used to be, but I do have an Instagram account that I update, which is Sex Therapist Mom. And I also have my website, which is waxmansextherapy.com. Amazing. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jamie. These were phenomenal tips. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to join us and answer our questions about intimacy after after having a baby and in parenthood. So thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nina. Of course. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Jamie, as she said, you can visit her on Instagram at sex therapist mom, as well as her website, waxmansextherapy.com. And check out her books, Getting Off, A Woman's Guide to Masturbation, Hot Sex, Over 200 Things You Can Try Tonight, and her latest book, How to Break Up with Anyone. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions, tips, or stories of your own that you're willing to share, please share them with us in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Thank you for tuning in and cheers to more connection and intimacy.